Last week, E's not here. Instead of E, we have a wild Samantha. Hola. <laughs> Catchphrase of the wild Samantha. Hola. I don't know. Maybe she's just going to start uh, saying hi in different languages every single time she's on the podcast now. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, so, something that I tried last week, I'm going to do again this week because I think it worked out well enough for me. Um, this week we are going to be watching a ghost story, 2017. Oh, that's why E's not here. <laughs> uh, you told him what movie you were going to watch, you're just like, nope, I'm out. You're like, oh, I have a family emergency, I gotta go. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he actually was saying that he would be interested in rewatching the movie to, like, get a solid thing, because he said, yeah. like, this and I'm thinking of ending things are, like, in the same headspace for him. Okay. Just because, like, they're both kind of weird and Weird artsy, artsy movies. Yeah. And He's he just... seen this one, right? He has, yeah. Yeah, I have yeah, not. Okay. Yeah, Robbie yeah. hasn't. You have, right, Sam? Yes, I have. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, the... Dry's Dry told me about this movie vaguely, but I have yet to see it. And I think part of what stopped me from watching it is he keeps on saying he wants to bring it to the podcast at some point. Yeah, I was hoping to get Rocky back on this one, but he's very busy, unfortunately. Much like so, the E. Yeah. Uh, but the movie is one hour, 32 minutes long. It okay. is rated R for brief language and a disturbing image. One, just a single disturbing image. Just, just the one image. That's, uh, just, just one frame. That's like, oh, that, that's uh, uh oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to watch it before we end up talking about it, you can do so uh, currently, right now, as the time of this recording, on American in America. Rather, uh, it is on Netflix, and then you can rent it. From YouTube, Google Play, Voodoo, and Amazon Prime for two ninety nine and up in America. So it's uh, right now. If you listen to this episode and like want to watch it when this goes up, it will hopefully probably still be available on Netflix. Yeah, it has been on Netflix for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how well it's doing because I know it didn't do great in the box office. It, who knows? I know that there's some people they just want to keep the movie on Netflix just for the sake of like it's the ease of people being able to see it on Netflix. Yeah, this is the kind of movie that uh, I I'm actually betting does really horrible on Netflix because people are gonna look at it, see that it's like ghost story, like oh that looks like a cool like cover, and then two minutes into it, be like this is fucking stupid as shit, <laughs> and just get out of it. <laughs> it's possible. That's yeah, one of the well, things about streaming. I think hipsters would like it. Hipsters may like it. Uh, actually, I, I think, think they like. It. I think there is a specific scene hipsters would definitely not like, but. Before we get to talking about this movie, I'm going to ask you, Robbie, how's it going? It's been going. Uh, there's like one day last week that I had that was pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, well, actually, I guess the first thing I should say is a couple nights ago, uh, I got off of work and like some dude walked up to my car and he's like, hey, are you Casey? Oh, you're not Casey. And walked away. <laughs> oh. And I had like a what the hell moment because I get off work at three o'clock in the morning. 
Huh. And some like the fact that someone walked up to my car at three o'clock in the morning asking if I was Casey was just like kept on looking behind me like what? What? Huh? What? And, like I thought I was getting robbed for a second. Huh. I think I would be real freaked out after that. <laughs> I just had like a what the hell happened moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh besides that, there's like one rough day that I had this week that I think is worth mentioning just because um like I got home. You know, did my thing of, like, I watch YouTube for a little while and, like, play on my phone and, like, do my dailies on my little mobile game that I play and then right. go to bed. And I went to bed, like, it's like, 5.30, 6 in the morning whenever I went to bed because, like, you know, I worked that stupid, weird swing shift. Yeah, it's a normal Robbie time. Yeah. Um, at least currently it is. <laughs> uh, I get a call from jail at 7.30 in the morning saying that, because, uh, like, earlier that night she had texted me saying that, she uh that her tire pressure gauge went down to like two so she thinks that the sensor is broken and i was like you need to check your tire to make sure you didn't run something over she's like oh i'll check it later and like okay like i thought that maybe she checked it at lunch and maybe her sensor was broken because she kept on saying like oh it's fine like it's probably just the sensor because <laughs> out there and there's literally just 17 nails in the tire <laughs> no there it was one but it was that one was enough to make her tire go flat so yeah, it is on an hour and a half of sleep i had to go drive down and like change her tire for her and then put on her spare and then follow her down to Walmart so she can get her tire patched. And they had cars in front of her. So it took them like five minutes to patch the tire, but it took them like an hour and a half to get her car there. Jesus. And so like we got her car tire fixed. Uh, we went and we ate breakfast and then got home around noon. And I slept for like two hours and then got up and then went to work. <laughs> and fantastic. Yeah. And then whenever I got to work, um like the night before the machine had been running hot and i started to think about it for a second i was like i wonder what the coolant is like or like like where the coolant level is at on that machine and i checked it and it was low on coolant now uh currently i'm running the gun drill at work and uh like you know that drill that like drills like really long holes in metal and uh this thing has a giant coolant tank i don't know how else to say other than that just has a giant coolant tank and we have like the most redneck setup in order to actually like get coolant into the machine like i'm gonna pull up a picture really quick it's a super soaker from the 90s full it, of kool-aid it might as fucking well be that's why it's cool int because it's kool-aid boo you have to get the wild bit wait which one's the one that i drank a ton of i had there was one like when i was that like, might be why you have memory problems you drink coolant <laughs> not cool yeah well you drink coolant what no kool-aid but it's basically coolant from my understanding <laughs> So yeah, this is a picture so. of like the <laughs> barrel that we use to like fill up the coolant in that machine in particular. The picture that you're showing me right now, Robbie, looks like the scene of what happens right before Return of the Living Dead starts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a barrel that's like put on a slight angle on a homemade cart that like yeah, it's on a homemade cart to put at a slight angle so that way you know it kind of like goes towards the bottom of the barrel. And they use, like, the most overkill hose on it. it. Like, it's literally called a Terminator hose. And apparently goes up to 500 PSI. And it's used to, like, trickle coolant out of this barrel because the gun drill uses a special, like, cutting oil as coolant. Um, the pump that's sitting next to that barrel broke. <laughs> and so next to that, like, in the actual barrel, there's, like, this little vacuum pump that we had in there that has about the water pressure of a, uh, of a kitchen faucet. <laughs> And I ha- put about 60 gallons worth of coolant in that machine using that process. It took me about two hours. Yeah, that um, <laughs> that looks like a bad situation. Like, it, it was a bad day all around. For what that company is, I feel like they could just afford another thing. 
uh, we actually have a way better system for all the other machines. Like, it still uses barrels, but, like, we have, it has to be, like, a two or 300-gallon tank of, like, uh, pre-made coolant that we put into these 55-gallon barrels that has a hand pump that works better than those fucking pumps that I was using to fill up that machine. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm glad that went well for you. <laughs> it was, oh, God, I was so frustrated that entire day. And I was running on three hours of sleep. Good. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to mention that you had a really interesting day last week. You're like, I went and saw a shitty movie. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's for the live show. Yeah, oh, um, I will say I did beat um, the Dread X uh, 3. Oh, cool. Yeah, and uh, I started playing Evil Land 2, and like, I will get back on control eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I started playing Evil Land 2, and I realized that Evil Land 2 is so much harder than the first game. Oh. Yeah, because I, I didn't get very far whenever I first played Evil Land 2, because I got the Legendary Edition that has 1 and 2. And, like, the first game you can beat in, like, one playthrough. And the second one, I'm, like, eight hours into the game, and I'm not even halfway through it. Wow. That yeah. is much longer. Yeah. It is. It went from, you know, a game jam game that was made in, like, a couple of days to, like, actually trying to make, like... Without spoiling too much about that game, because I think it's worth playing, it's, like, almost Chrono Trigger-esque, because it deals with time travel and all this other stuff. With the, or with it, but like what they do with that is like whenever you travel through times, it changes the graphic settings of the game. Right, so you start off as like 16 bit, and then you go into the past, and it turns into like an 8 bit NES game. Yeah, you're telling and us. And then about that. yeah, you go into like the future, and it's like a PS2 game, and like you just go back and forth between all these different times. It's pretty cool how they did that, and like yeah. it's taken more seriously this time around. But it also has like a homage to a bunch of games that they love playing as kids, because like you know, there's the turn base, and there's like Zelda style gameplay, and then there's like a bullet hell mode game, and then. There's like literally a Street Fighter part, or part where you had like fight a guy in the game. Like it, it gets weird, but in a really good way. If you that, ask me, that sounds really fun, actually. Yeah, it, it's a really cool series. I'd highly recommend it. Nice. All right. Well, um, Sam, what's been going on with you? Mm, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> every time, every time we bring you on the podcast. <laughs> Other than everything going wrong, it's been pretty good. <laughs> Not everything. There's some stuff going right. I also ran over a screw. Like oh, yeah, that... the day before Thanksgiving, I think it was, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah or like the true. day before I left to leave to the city. <laughs> I think last week might have just been a week of disaster. Because uh, Sam came up here for Thanksgiving. And like, yeah, like she said, literally day before ran over a screw. I was able to get it patched. Didn't like uh, puncture the tube at all. Huh. It's just went like yeah. into the tire. So that worked out fine. Um but then we did Thanksgiving. We had a whole we had a merry old time. Uh me and Liz were gonna go down, visit her family for the weekend. And I'm not even kidding, five minutes before we're about to leave the house, I notice a weird stain under our sink. Like, huh, that's weird. What's that? <laughs> so I open the drawers under our sink and everything is soaking wet. Oh. Oh good. So I start taking everything out. I'm like, oh, the garbage disposal's just Dripping constantly, and it's just been doing this. And so, and I'm you're just finding out now. Just finding out, like, literally five minutes before we're about to leave. Everything's packed. We're ready to go. Um, Sam's, like, standing at the door. She's like, all right, well, good luck. I'm going to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few days ago, too, the heating element in my oven, like, caught on fire and started sparking. So that's out. And... 
my manager said she would order a new one, but it's going to take like two weeks. So I'm not going to have like my oven for a few weeks, oh, which geez. is great. Who needs more milk? <laughs> I mean, that's also like another thing that's been in like an on-running problem of like our downstairs neighbors keep on saying that there's a leak coming and they keep on trying to blame us saying like, we're the, like we're the problem. Like there's a leak in our bathroom and we're not fixing it. So they're having a leak on their ceiling. And like, so they got the handyman for, because like multiple, um, like there's like, independent owners and like there's actual and like all this other stuff for where we live and so like they tried getting the uh leasing department that we rent through to like deal with the problem and they're using their handyman and apparently like even the handyman that uh works for them is getting tired of dealing with their downstairs neighbors (laughs) i don't know where this water is coming from you have a fish in your ceiling i don't know what to do (laughs) so like what happened is they had to like cut a hole in the closet in our bedroom to like get to the pipe and like seal everything off and the plumber said it was fine as far as they can tell everything's bone dry and so like they're gonna patch their ceiling and then they're gonna patch our wall and i guess he called the neighbors saying like hey i'm gonna patch your ceiling now and he's like and i guess the neighbors are told like well we want to take a look at it ourselves before you actually patch it up (laughs) well i'm gonna let you know right now if i I have all my tools here if i take my tools out of your house i'm not coming back is what he told them (laughs) And so they called up our, uh, they called up their uh, management company, and they're, uh, and I guess they're gonna have a guy come look at it. I'm like, okay, well, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna have him look at it because you have zero credibility with us. Wow. Yeah. I would, and, if I were him, hmm. I would also not work on their shit. Yeah. And so, like, when he came up and worked on ours, he's like, "Hey, I got your guys' wall patched. Like, just gotta get it painted and everything." And like, told us about our downstairs neighbors. And the first thing he said is like, "You know, for Christians, they're really judgmental people." <laughs> And I just looked at him as like, you know what? I grew up around Baptists. I totally get it. <laughs> um, how many holes are going to be put into that apartment? That's a good question. <laughs> it got well, At least it got fixed yeah. this time it was in within a year's time. Yeah, he says that it's fixed. I believe him. I'm not even going to question it. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, like, ugh, there's just so much work that they've done over this. Like, I, I feel like our downstairs neighbors are just trying to get us to leave. Absolutely. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would, I would, I would bet. Um, yeah, cool. So a bunch of misfortune. That's good stuff. Yeah. Thanksgiving where yeah. everything goes wrong. I'm thankful that <laughs> my apartment didn't flood and we lost everything. I'm thankful Sam's apartment didn't catch on fire. And, uh, I'm yeah. sorry you live above Christian. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So like when that happened with, with my oven, I didn't really know what to do. Like, I turned my oven off, and I was like, okay, I'll just wait a few minutes see if it goes out. <laughs> and I kept looking at it, and it kept sparking. <laughs> so I was like, do I need to do I need to call the fire department for this, or are they going to think I'm stupid? It did eventually go out a few minutes later. But <laughs> you know what that reminds yeah. me of? I think it's like the second or third episode of IT Crowd. There's like a fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah. emails the fire department saying there's yeah. a fire. Yeah, like, what's that going yeah. on? Oh, there's a fire. What fire? I emailed them. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of how it is. I love it. Yeah, nothing else really in life is going on. Yeah, just everything is breaking all at once. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, it's just been a year, uh, two years really. It's been kind of shit. Yeah, it's kind of since the world started ending. Uh, it's all started to go downhill. Yeah. Weird. Weird times. Uh, Well, on that note, I think we should talk about this very lively film where things are just constantly happening. So Uh, I've heard. Me and Sam have seen it. I've seen it a lot. I've seen it many, many times. 
Uh, I've told many people to watch it. Uh, Sam is one of the few who actually did. Um, I I don't want Sam to spoil her feelings on this movie at all yet. Uh, we'll get we'll get there. I think I know how she feels about it. No, you don't. I think I do. <laughs> no, you don't. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Robbie, from the little you've heard us talk about on the live show and around around the world's places we've been, what what do you think it, this movie is about? So far, what I've gotten the gist of this movie is it's mostly just Casey Affleck wearing a bedsheet and walking around and looking at people. Okay. And like seeing things that are happening around him while he just wears a bedsheet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's about as much as I know about this movie. Yeah, I mean, there it's a lot of that. Uh, there was some behind-the-scenes stuff we'll end up talking about that was uh, not so great here. Um, Seems like we've watched a decent amount of movies where like the production of the movie was just a nightmare. There were portions of this that were a nightmare, but that weren't discovered until much later. Okay. Um, very unfortunate on that aspect of it. But, again, we'll talk about that probably near the end of it so I don't bring the whole fucking thing down like I did on the goddamn... Shining episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, Stanley Kubrick, he's an asshole. Was yeah. an asshole. Yeah. But I'm going to read yeah. the back of the box here real quick. Academy Award winner Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara star as a young couple who, after being separated by loss, discover an eternal connection and a love that is infinite. An unforgettable meditation on love and grief, a ghost story emerges ecstatic and surreal a wholly unique experience that lingers long after the credits roll. So this is like an indie version of Ghost with Patrick Swayze? <laughs> uh, um. I think you're going to wish that, that much <laughs> happened in this movie. Okay. Uh, I I like this movie a lot, obviously. Yeah. I'm bringing it to the show. So uh, yeah. I this is one of those movies, though, that I fully understand why somebody wouldn't like it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, there's a quote that you use with this movie that I've used a lot of things that I do, like like music-wise or art-wise or movie-wise, that it's something that you honestly enjoy, but you would understand if other people didn't. Like, there's a lot of music I listen to that I, I honestly love. I would understand if other people didn't love it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see. It's, it's a fairly short movie, an hour and a half. And Is every- it? Yeah. yeah. But it feels, feels like it goes longer. on for eternity. It feels much longer than it actually is. And that's me coming from somebody who genuinely loves this film. Okay. So this movie is a habanero pepper that you just ate and your mouth is on fire. And it just feels like eternity while you're watching someone walk to the fridge to grab a glass of milk for you. And like maybe it took him like 30 seconds to like grab the milk and grab a cup and like pour the milk in the cup and hand it to you. But it feels like you've been standing there for an hour while you're set on fire. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Yeah. Get an idea of this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I think we should go watch this then. Sure. Okay. Uh, everybody, grab your pie, sit down, and enjoy. We'll be back in a little bit. Just finished watching a ghost story directed by David Lowry. Let's just hop right into that sick, delicious conversation right now. Robbie, 
what did you think of this movie? I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah? Yeah, like, I get what they were going for with it, and it does tell, like, a a nice little story about, like, reflection and uh, grief and kind of, like, mo- the passage of time. I kind of feel like this movie could have been 20 minutes long, though. <laughs> oh, it totally could have. It totally could have. I, it could, it could have been, yes. Yeah. I'm glad it wasn't. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think that this is kind of one of those they were going for like a very specific uh audience. Almost like a very specific audience. Like this is this movie was made with David Lowry being the writer and director of it. He wrote and directed this more for him than anybody else. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but I do kind of like the artistic style of it though. Like I said some of the I feel like some shots just linger on for too long and like I said, I there are some problems with it, but overall, I kind of like the i I feel like I lo- love the idea of this movie, <laughs> but it's just implemented in some ways that are like okay, like this could have done better, but um, yeah, it could it could have been I and yes, shots yeah. linger on for a very long time. But I know that you are a fan of that too, yeah, because I feel like this movie is just so contemplative, and like I get people again, I get people not liking it because. I feel like it takes being in a like a very specific mindset for this movie to hit you hard. And like the first time I watched it, like I, I was bawling. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. It hit me real hard when the first time I watched it. Um. But yeah, I could see why it wouldn't for most people. Yeah. I th- the thing that I've brought up a bunch is the pie scene is really. It's really when you're either in or you're out on that movie. I feel like. Because that <laughs> scene kind of encapsulates. This entire movie. Yeah. And I, I told you a couple of, uh, like, while we were watching the movie, I told you what I thought of that scene during that. Like, mostly of just like, oh, yeah, like, Casey Affleck is just watching Mara Rooney eat this entire pie during this scene that just doesn't cut away at all. And he just stands still and watches her the entire time. Yeah. But it does very much mm-hmm. encapsulate, like, th- what this movie is about in a weird way. In a very weird way. Like, this, that scene is, like, very silly and weird, but I also, like, think it's incredibly Would you painful. call it silly and weird? I don't want to call it silly and weird. Yeah. I mean, weird, I maybe. Conceptually, it is, because, like, it, if you were to sell that scene to somebody for this movie, like, I, I can kind of see David Lowry said the name of the director. Yeah. Uh, I could kind of see him going up to Maria Rooney and, like, I, I need you to, like, we're not going to cut away, we're just going to keep the camera on you and you're going to eat this entire pie. Just, what? Just just eat the whole pie. <laughs> that the, the way he pitched it is actually far weirder than that. Oh. <laughs> cuz like I do get that too cuz I think I feel like all three of us have probably been in that situation to where like something bad just happened or like something heavy just happened and you're just kind of like you finally like just sit down to eat and you're just kind of reflecting on life and like everything else like while you're sitting there eating your food. Yeah, and it, it does very much encapsulate that, but it is very much just well, a scene think... of her eating pie on the maybe, floor. Maybe that's why it feels, like, so weird, or, like, I don't know, because it it seems, like, realistic. Yeah. <laughs> and realistic isn't always that entertaining. <laughs> and sometimes it is weird, and that's fine. Yeah, like, whenever Dry first described this scene to me, uh, the first thought that came to mind is like she was like 
laying down on the floor, almost like David Hasselhoff style, like while he's eating a cheeseburger drunk. Yeah, and like, everyone's been there, man. The everyone's been there. I mean, I've definitely been there before. But like, I, I basically like thought it was going to be like that with her, like grabbing handfuls of pie and like shoving it into her mouth in between tears. Like, that's what I thought it was going to be whenever I uh, first, whenever he first told me about that scene in the movie. But it is very much mm-hmm. just her, like, <sighs> and then like you hear a fork clanking while she puts more pie into her mouth, and then like just kind of sniffles a little bit, and then puts some more pie in her mouth, and scene goes on for like a good five ten minutes. Well, yeah. specifically, the scene goes on for exactly four minutes. Oh, okay. Oh, it's felt like way longer. <laughs> I know, because you're sitting there watching somebody cry eating an entire pie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While a guy in a sheet just, just fucking, <laughs> sits just, there and yeah, watches. Just, yeah, sits there and watches her speed eat this pie. That scene is like <laughs> almost someone's weird fantasy about like an OnlyFans page. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like pretty sure there fetish. are OnlyFans pages of girls just eating. Oh, oh well, yeah, mukbangs. Oh, yeah. definitely. That's definitely a thing. It's like a feeding fetish. Yeah. yeah. But what wh- what would you say, spoiler anyway. free, Robbie, like what you're good, bad, what do you think? Did you enjoy so it? So good, like it is a, very much a movie that deals like reflection and the passing of time. And like, I do like how this movie like deals with like reflection and the passage of time and how it like, keeps on moving forward in a way and like kind of the meaning of existence and like in a weird way of like it's almost like a reflection of like why someone is in a specific spot in their life or like in a very specific spot spot period and um uh, like i do like how they did that i do feel like some of it does kind of linger on in a weird way for too long but i think that's kind of also what the movie was going for at the same time um it is it is very strange but i think i like it Okay. It, it, I think I kind of fall into like, yeah, it's an okay movie, but I also do like art house movies. Right. Well, then I, that leads me to the question, Sam. Let's see if I was right. Yeah. How do you feel about this movie? <laughs> well, now I'm interested, like, to hear what you actually think. I think. Um. So <laughs> I, I like this the but more more the second time around, or it doesn't feel like as I don't know weird. <laughs> so I sort of knew it was coming. And it didn't feel as long, but um, yeah, I think I think it's a beautiful movie. Um, I think it hit a bit harder the second time watching it. It's just it it's a weird art house film that could definitely been cut down to twenty minutes if like all of the <laughs> lingering shots were there. But I love the lingering shots because it is very. But like, I feel like you could take any number of those shots and like make them into an art print and I'd probably hang them on my wall. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's basically a melancholy sort of existential film. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. um, Yeah. I like, I, I do like it actually a lot. Now I'm interested to hear what you thought I would think about it or what you thought I thought about it. Well, um, I thought you were literally going to just say, like, this is the most pretentious garbage I've ever seen. <laughs> of course you would like it, you fucking idiot. Um, well, it's really interesting to me, actually, since you're always so, like, big into plot and things having meaning, this doesn't <laughs> really, oh, I, I mean, it does. Yeah. I, I, would honestly, I think like... it does, but not, like, it does not have, like, a plot 
point, I suppose, that it's trying to move towards. I also disagree with that. It just is? What? Really? Yeah. I don't feel like it does. I don't... I mean, I feel like it has a lot of meaning to it, but I don't feel like... um, I, I don't think it can be so... Uh, I don't know, like, put into a box and have, like, this linear... Whatever I'm saying right now is more pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> I will say... I, I don't know. I do kind of feel like uh, some of the things that you would praise about this movie is stuff that you complained about for movies like Deer Hunter. I disagree with that as well. Who, <laughs> Who me or Drya? No, Drya. Okay. Um, yeah. I think I think you like this movie so much, too, because it is a bit pretentious. <laughs> I'm fully aware. It's extremely pretentious. Yeah. I mean, there's also another uh, I, okay. movie, uh, Mr. Nobody. Like, whenever Dry told me about the movie, he's like, that movie is so goddamn pretentious. It's good, though. And Dry was like, yes, it's brilliant. Brilliant. Speaks to my soul. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I didn't say it was brilliant. It spoke to my soul. I thought it had an interesting centerpiece. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what he said. Is it, it, It's an interesting movie, but goddamn, is it pretentious. Yeah, it's way up its own ass. Um, this one, I think it it has its pretentious moments, but I think even though it is like this art house film, it sort of gra- grounded. I don't know if grounded is the word I'm looking for, but not as like I don't know. I don't know. Maybe grounded is the word I'm looking for, but it is pretentious pretentious in its way, but. I think it's also good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, uh, I but without getting into too much spoilers. It. No. I don't hate it. Interesting. Well, um, yeah. I love this movie. I think that there what? is not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that there is a single thing about it that you could change that would make it better, honestly. Uh, I think that this is about as perfect as a movie can get or what mm. it's trying to do because I, I literally can't, I, I can't think of a single thing that I'd be like I would change that this would be better if it were this way like I can't I, I, I literally can't think of a thing that would make this movie a better movie well, I feel like a lot of it uh, a lot of it that is portraying is that it just is anyway <laughs> If that makes sense. What do you mean just is? (laughs) It just is. And changing it won't make it better or worse. I'm trying to get all metaphorical or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's also kind of is. Go on. I also think it's very um, meaningful and... It, yeah, it kind of knows what it was doing. I think it'll carry as much meaning as you allow it to carry. Yeah. Yeah. And that is true. This is one of those movies that you... Uh, the movie is as good as you let it be in a weird way. Or, like, however it speaks to you. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies that yeah. I think... Um, and you're right. I have to, it could be interpreted. I, have, I mean, yeah, it can be interpreted in a like, lot of different ways. But I think it's... And I've spoken mm-hmm. down about some movies on this podcast even about doing it where I think this one does it just better is I think this movie 
you have to watch it on its terms. You can't go into it with a hope yeah. or an expectation or like what you want out of it. I think you have to go in accepting what this movie is and whatever you take away and like that's it. Like that's that's it. I don't think it's trying to Yeah. be anything but what it is. Like it's not catering to anybody. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I think that's what I'm trying to say when I feel like it is very art house, but it's not like pandering to anyone specifically. It just is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which uh, makes sense because this was a movie that was just a love letter from the director. Wrote, directed. Um, he took all of his money he did from his previous film, which is uh, it's gonna be a weird one because I honestly had not started learning about this man's career until. This last week, very recently, until I like really looked him up, um, the movie he did directly before this was Disney's Pete's Dragon, the live action film. Hmm. Wow. And he I took... don't remember that doing it very well. No, but... it it did not. Um, it was looking at the trailers because I haven't seen the movie, but looking at the trailers, even I'm like, man, this is like some really down to earth cinematography. Like the lighting in here is like really great. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's full of wonder at all for it being about this giant dragon this kid has. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Which is sort of, like, <laughs> interesting looking at this movie, because it's like a ghost story, basically, and there's, like, no supernatural, I guess, things that you would generally see in movies about ghosts. <laughs> yeah, like, there's not a moment where a priest comes in and tries to, like, get rid of the ghost or anything like that. Yeah, there's not really a moment where it like sort of sus- uh, suspends your belief, maybe. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he took all of his earnings from that and just went to Texas and made this movie. Hmm. Hmm. I was gonna say, did he just like buy the house for this movie, or did he just? <laughs> well, you did see... he make the <laughs> house for this movie? No, he didn't make it either. They found the house. They didn't have to buy it. Um, it actually oh. helped them quite a bit on this because the house was actually going to be destroyed at a very specific date. And so the owner was like, yeah, you can do whatever you want in the house. You can destroy it. You can make it up however you want. We're destroying it in a couple of months. So do whatever you want. It's all yours. Oh. So did they basically like renovate it? Like just what we saw and they made it then let it be destroyed. They made it ex. uh, to fit the scenes that they needed it to fit on the inside with the time that they had until it was destroyed. And when you sing it be uh-huh. destroyed at the end, that's the actual destruction company coming in and bulldozing it. And they ah. let him be in there with it, right? Correct. That's... He was in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this director almost killed Casey Affleck. I kind of wish he was wearing like a, I kind of wish he was wearing like a hard hat or something. That'd be funny. <laughs> Just like he's wearing some kind of hat that kind of shows where he is in time. No, like literally just like a hard hat on top like of Like just wearing a hard hat. Sheet. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, well, the house is being deconstructed. He has the hard hat on. And like probably whenever he's like walking through the, that building and whenever he goes to, or whenever he goes like to that other scene that happens like directly after the skyscraper, he's just wearing a cowboy hat. Uh, that would be great. Um, we're we're be kind of spoiling like... this movie. Yeah. Inadvertently. Yeah. Um. I guess uh, from here on out, I should say, because it's going to be difficult to talk about this movie in a very linear fashion. Yeah, that's fair, especially without spoiling anything about this movie. Yeah, so I'm going to say all of our discussion on this, it's already been pretty spoilery. 
even though you won't have really context for what's happening. Um, it's going to be real spoilery, this whole discussion. If you are into art house cinema or if you are into very minimalistic film, purposely minimalistic, I would say. But also, but also if you don't want to watch an hour and a half of just mostly still shots, then listen to this and then we can explain it. <laughs> yeah, that's also an option. But also uh, go watch it, too. <laughs> it's worth the time. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one thing we can all say. We all at least liked the movie. I love it. Yeah. Dry absolutely <laughs> loves this movie. Me and Sam it. are like, yeah, I like it. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. I like uh, it. Yeah. But yeah, spoilers from here on out. Um, I'm going to give the basic plot line of what this movie is, and we're just going to talk about scenes that we like, I guess, okay. um, and things that are interesting in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a man and his wife are living in a house. They seem to maybe not be on the best of terms. One day he gets into a wreck while he's leaving his house, and he becomes a ghost. He dies, and... It's not like, oh, he's like he's transparent and you look through him. He's it is literally Casey Affleck under a sheet. Yeah. With eye holes <laughs> cut out. Like, you know that ghost costume that five year olds run around with every Halloween? It's that. But That's for it. an hour and a half long. <laughs> he doesn't speak once he's a ghost at all. He just wanders around. And it, it the, the best thing about this entire thing is that like it could have been any motherfucker under that sheet. It didn't have to be Casey Affleck. Yeah. But it was Casey Affleck the whole time. Yeah. Because, damn it, he takes his work seriously. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just so weird. <laughs> it is weird. I will say Casey Affleck is pretty good about the movies that he's in. Like, I haven't seen everything that he's in, but everything I have seen him in, he's done, like, whatever role he's playing, he puts 100% into it. I actually really like Casey Affleck. Yeah. I don't think that there's been a single movie that he's been in where I haven't liked his part, at the very least. I enjoy him quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything else that he's in, but I'm sure I've probably seen him in other things. He was in The Last Kiss, Gone Baby Gone. Never watched it. Never watched it. Manchester by the Sea, this. It's mostly nope. a lot of indie things. Yeah. Well, it's like one of those things, I think people mostly know him as being the younger brother, right, of Ben Affleck? Correct. And so it's just one of those, like, <laughs> he, it's not exactly like he's hurting for money or anything. He just does this because he enjoys it, from what I can tell. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like, why wouldn't you just do indie films if you can, if you just can? Yeah. Because, like, those movies aren't going to bring in a lot of money. <laughs> and, well, that's the thing about a lot of those actors, too, is, like, when they're in, like, these weird kind of art housey films, they're doing it because they want to be there. Like, most of them don't need yeah. the money to be there. They, It's just, like, they like the artistic uh, integrity of those movies which is why you see yeah yeah. or the vision of it which is why you see like casey affleck in movies like like this or you see um edward norton in a lot of indie films too or yeah things like that i guess you can say also casey affleck did get his start in acting because of ben affleck uh his first roles were in kevin smith movies that ben affleck was in yeah that makes (laughs) sense very small small side roles right yeah those makes okay but yeah Um, um well, Casey Affleck, his name is just M in the movie. Yeah. He's credited I didn't notice M. that. Uh, no, no, no. I thought he was C and Mari Rooney was M. No, he's M. Okay. Uh, Mari Rooney is, is C then. I think she's C. Let me know. Yeah, because I did see that and, like while the credits were rolling. Like one name, it was just like a one letter name for both of them. Like most characters in this movie do not have a name. Yeah. Um, you don't need to know. Yeah, well, level. there's not. 
Yeah, there's not really any dialogue in this movie either. <laughs> okay, so yeah, uh, so... Casey Affleck's character was C. Uh, Rooney Mara's name was uh, M. Yeah. <laughs> Very creative. But yeah, so C, so... after he dies and he gets up off of the table, uh, after he has been examined by his wife, mm-hmm. um, starts wandering the hospital, and that's kind of when you realize, like, oh, he's he's dead. He's not just some dude under a sheet. Yeah. Well, there's that, and then there's like yeah. a really quick scene of like him po- like about to go to the afterlife, but decides not to because like this doorway unfinished of... business. Yeah, because like there's just a doorway of light that opens in front of him and then closes. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. which I, I I really like how it depicts that. Like it's very like ev- everything else that like involves the afterlife or like their version of the afterlife. It's always like yes, you must come to the afterlife. And yeah, you it's must. this very majestic thing. Yeah, and this is just like some fucking weird light in a goddamn hallway, and he just stares at it, and then it closes, and he's like, all right, I guess I fucking go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's just... I think that's a, much, that's a much more human reaction, I suppose. Yeah, it's just, it's so good. So yeah, he, he doesn't pass on to the afterlife. He decides to go home, where mm-hmm. he haunts it. We see... Yeah, and then we see nice long shots of him just wandering, walking home. Yeah, uh, I pace. almost. I really like those scenes, though. Actually, yeah. uh, those scenes, like if you haven't seen this movie before, but you've seen the meme of um, Quentin Tarantino like walking around his house and looking at things, it's the same energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> <pretty> much. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like him looking at things. Uh, this blonde woman uh just comes and like leaves a pie for his or for his grieving widow and like leaves a note for her saying like hey if you need anything like don't hesitate to give me a call i'm always here for you yeah um Mm -hmm. and you start to get like ideas of how quickly time is passing for c yeah because yeah because there's um sorry there's like like, so a lot of (laughs) go on (laughs) there's like a lot of um weird time time things i guess in here um and really interesting like camera work i don't know if those are like um cutaway shots sometimes or i don't know that is anyway i i did actually kind of want to mention that i did like about this movie was the what they did with the camera because the movie is four by three and uh, oh, the yeah, corners yeah. are rounded off of it, so it just kind of feels like you're peeping through a hole almost while you're watching this movie. It does. It kind of feels like you are the ghost <laughs> watching. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it seem extremely intimate, yeah. the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he's there just kind of watching all of this happen. And then uh, M comes home, and she is extremely defeated. You don't really know what she's coming home from. It could be work. could be from a funeral. You don't really know. Uh, you, don't, you don't get to know a lot. You can assume or you can make up your own story basically in this, but you don't get to know because that's one of the things that I think this also does really well is that it doesn't feed you plot points like most movies. Um, it's just whatever is happening around him, that's what you get to see and he doesn't get to see a lot. Yeah, because yeah. he's like basically stuck in this house. I don't know if he's stuck, stuck because it's it could just be that he. It's like a decision. Yeah, it feels more like a decision. Sort of. Yeah, because well, it goes on in 
into this later on, like at the end of the movie too, where it shows them, you know, arguing sort of or having a conversation where she wants to leave the house and he doesn't because there's history there with them. And yeah, so I feel like that sort of stayed with him in the afterlife ish maybe yeah again unfinished business. So maybe it was a conscious yeah maybe it was like a conscious decision for him to actually stay there or maybe he was stuck there i don't know <laughs> i feel like it was a conscious decision because uh one thing that also happens during these scenes is there's another ghost in the neighboring house that like they kind of mm-hmm. look at each other yeah and like it's kind of funny how they did that i did kind of like how they had the conversations between the ghosts because it was just subtitles on the screen mm-hmm. yeah and like you never hear them say yeah. anything they just look at each other and while subtitles are on the ground it's just like it was... like he waves and he's like hi and like who are you it's like oh i'm, I'm just me or oh, what about you it's like oh me i'm i'm just waiting for somebody who are you waiting for yeah i don't remember anymore yeah um so, like, whenever I watch movies, I always have subtitles on because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I had to, like, I had to, like, turn my subtitles off to see if, like, it actually said those things. Um, <laughs> it did, basically. In, my, in the actual, like, subtitles um, that you turn on, can turn on and off, it just says, like, speaking, um, <laughs> what's the word? like psychically or whatever to each other <laughs> yeah that's the least where in the, where, where in the movie it, itself it just like says the lines oh huh, that's I guess. so strange yeah, i don't know yeah like oh speaking telepathically i think it says and then it says it has the lines yeah <laughs> i had to as, see i was gonna say it's almost as good as um uh orange is new black whenever he had the subtitles on and like that scene whenever like she convinces one of the guards to let her pee but she has to pee with the door open while a male guard is watching her it's like hey can you hurry or, she's intensely yeah and it's like can you hurry this up for a bit i'm peeing as fast as i can doesn't sound like it and then yeah peeing intensifies <laughs> Intensifies. yeah it just are uh, it's either like it's like peeing intensifies or it says like forcefully peeing on the subtitles <laughs> there is a there is a part in this movie if you have the subtitles on, it's like something intensifies like music or something. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will say with the... That is another thing I did like about this movie is like the ambient music that he has for this movie. How it kind of gives you that mournful feeling of like what's going on around him and how he's just kind of... Well, I guess not even kind of. He's literally a ghost just kind of wandering and seeing everything happening around him knowing that he can't really affect it. Yeah, I think... Yeah. that's probably the most sad part. And that's why this, this scene that I'm about to explain kind of broke me so much the first time that I I, I watched it. Um, she, she Like I said, uh, M gets home and she reads the note, starts washing dishes, and you get to see all this happen in the shot. It's very slow. It happens in real time. Um, and then she opens up the pie and starts almost cutting a slice and then just starts eating it out of the thing. Yeah. Uh, and then it cuts to a new shot to where she's leaning on the ground, eating the pie, and in the upper right corner of the shot, you just see C standing there staring at her. And it's literally a four-minute scene. It doesn't cut away. She eats almost this entire yeah. pie in one sitting. And it starts off where like she's sad and she's like eating it and like eating it as quickly as she can. And as she keeps going, you 
start to see more and more tears falling off of her cheeks and her breathing gets heavier and this entire time like it just it it breaks my heart because C is just sitting there having to watch just the watching person it. that he loves yeah. be in the most immense emotional pain or one of the most immense emotional pains that you could imagine and just mm-hmm. not being able to do anything yeah. about it. I was about to say or ask that question. Like, is it because it gives the feeling of like seeing someone you really care about going through pain and knowing there's not a damn thing you can do about it? Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. Just if you like, if you put yourself like in that scenario, like just having to stand there and watch somebody that you love go through that is just heartbreaking. And it's just, oh. Like wanting to hold them and tell them everything's going to be okay, even though you know you can't. Yeah. Okay. I, I get. I get that. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she eats almost that entire pie, and then goes and throws up. Which, by the way, this is something that I had found online. I don't know how uh, true it is. Apparently, Rooney Mara had never eaten pie before. What? Like she just doesn't like sweet things at all. So she had just never eaten pie. She just never did it. So they did like a whole pie thing, like seeing like what pie she thinks would be best for it. Ultimately, she went with a vegan chocolate flavored pie. Hmm. See, I thought it was like blueberry or something. <laughs> I thought it was pumpkin at first, but then and I realized also, it was too dark to be pumpkin. And also, I felt like she looked like sort of disgusted, like halfway through eating it like she's like oh god i gotta keep going i can't i can't do it this was since this is supposedly the first pie she ever had she has been on record in interviews saying that she thought the pie was extremely disgusting and horrible and it made her feel justified in the fact she'd never eaten pie before because she fucking hated it yeah well i was gonna say like during that (laughs) so for that scene it seemed like she was enjoying it at first like she was just eating it to eat it like she was actually like maybe she ate nothing earlier that day so she'd have uh, enough room to eat this whole pie and so she's enjoying it, and she gets about halfway through it, and then wants to stop, realizes that they're still shooting, and that she can't stop, and you can see her kind of, like, anger breaking yeah. at the pie, like, I gotta eat this whole yeah. fucking thing, I guess, and just starts shoveling it in, because she's like, I have to eat the whole damn thing, but even though she doesn't yep. want to at that point anymore. So I'm guessing this was the first and only shot of her eating that pie. They did it in one tank, and they never redid it. <laughs> Oh, well, good, good. They are nicer to her than... Well, we're very sorry for her. Yeah. It's, it seems slightly less tragic than what they did for Old Boy, but... Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think I told you about the octopus scene. Yeah, you did. Okay. You did. Um, but yeah, that's just like a weird thing that like they had to sell her on eating a pie because she'd never ate a pie before. So, so strange. Weird. That is very strange. Yeah, but there I- it is. <laughs> things you do for art i guess yeah yeah uh the scene is exactly four <laughs> minutes long also not a second less or a second more from when she sits down specifically i should say that one shot is um mm-hmm. but yeah and then from there you get to i'm not even gonna say get to you have to um watch c just kind of watch her move out yeah well it kind of shows her going I want to say it felt like she was going through her grieving processes. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, you kind of watch that and like watch him watching her go through a grieving process, knowing he can't do anything about it. Um, I feel like it is somewhat important to show. Cause like it does cut away to like 
showing that he was a composer whenever he was alive and like he would like make music and there's like a scene whenever he shows her a song that he wrote yeah for uh and like she seems like she doesn't seem too interested when she first hears it but then there's also that point where she's grieving and she's like lying on the floor listening to the song like just thinking about him and once again like he kind of wants to like reach out and touch her hand almost but he can't yeah um, the song is called I Get Overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. If you kind of want to understand the tone of this film, I think that song encapsulates the entire thing as well. Um, after I watched this movie, I did not stop listening to it for three days straight. <laughs> uh, I can't even give you grief about that because there's songs I've had the same thing. Like, I just listen to them over and over again. This, this movie put me in a place, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that is happening. And... Earlier in the movie, when they're still alive, and they, you can tell like they're not really getting along perfectly well, and they're talking about like where they're supposed to be going or what they're doing with their lives and stuff like that. <laughs> and so from here, you get to see her start packing everything up, and him just kind of watching her do that, and like Robbie said, grieve. Um, there's one scene that also is kind of extremely heartbreaking, to where she just lays on his side of the bed, um, which is just also so so sad. Because he's just standing there having to, like, how do you watch somebody go through something like that? Like, as a human being, like, you, you couldn't do it. It would be it emotionally... It'd be emotionally taxing. It would emotionally destroy you. Yeah. But I think it's also one of those things is, like, I feel like for the most part, whenever people see someone suffering, they want to see they want to help them. Yeah. It's almost like, you know... um if you saw like a a six year old that was like starving on a street corner, you want to like give him a piece of food, yeah. And I think it it's kind of falls under that whole mindset thing. You couldn't just like sit there and watch them like slowly starve to death. You'd ha- you'd have to do something eventually. Yeah, yeah. Which is like I don't understand people that are like super selfish. <laughs> they see something like that and they don't do anything. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, and though. I. I also feel like this is this could also be like sort of a metaphor for like breaking up with somebody, not necessarily just like um them dying, but like just breaking up with somebody then like having to watch them live their own life without you, you know, this person that you've was your everything at yeah. one point. I think it also and is kind then of a, it feels kind of like a good metaphor. You have to go on without some, him. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say a kind of metaphor of like not being able to move on from something bad happening, like whether it's a breakup or yeah. whatever else. Yeah. And I, I think, you get, or... yeah, I think you get to see that with C as well, because while he sees her like having to pack everything up and move and stuff like that, there's one night when she comes home and the vibe I get from it is that the person that brought her home, they were out drinking or something. And he's like a family, not like a family friend, but like a friend of the two of them. And they end yeah, up kissing, yeah. and he just has to see that. Because for him, again, it doesn't feel like any time has passed at all, really. It's 30 minutes since yeah. he died. Yeah. So for him, the time hasn't really done anything. It's just he's existed through all of this. But for her, it's Yeah, been... he hasn't had... He hasn't had, like, that time to, um, I guess, process, I guess. Yeah. And she's had all this, well, it doesn't actually say how long, but she's had, you know, a, probably a good amount of time to process things and 
all of that. So like, <laughs> yeah. She's had time to anyway, live her life did. and kind of move on from what happened. Yeah. And he just is mm-hmm. stuck. 30 minutes ago, he was just in a car wreck leaving his house to go to the store or something like that. Yeah. And so, and now suddenly yeah. he has to watch his wife, uh, just be okay with moving forward with her life. And like, how do you do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to the passage of time, one thing that it does, cause like it starts off just very lingering. Cause like you linger on with that scene with the pie. Yeah. And you just watch that happen. And then after, like after that happens, there's like some scenes of her like laying around and like kind of grieving over it. And then like, she just gets up and then walks out the door and then it shows her walk up and get out the door again and walk up and get out mm-hmm. the door again, showing that like, Time is fluctuating for him. Like things aren't standing still anymore. They're moving forward, but for like they're moving forward in actual time, but for him, they're still standing still. It I wouldn't say it's still standing still. I would say things his perception of time is not how we would perceive time. Right. But yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying though. Is like while he's cause like it's cool what they did with it because he's standing there and he's not moving, but like she's constantly it's it never shows her walking in the door, just her walking out of the door. So like, yeah, basically showing like this is what happened this mm-hmm. day, this is what happened this day, this is what happened this day, and he just saw it all happen while not moving from that one spot because, of, like you said, how time is perceived by him. Yeah, everything is just happening within the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Really, he's experiencing all of this so quickly. Right. Um. And it comes to the final day of her being there, and she's painting the house, and she goes and writes this note on this little yellow notepad the same one i have in front of me here basically and folds it up sticks it into uh a, a crevice in the yeah uh, there's a part where like the crowning is coming off of the wall yeah and she like kind of sticks it in there and then paints over it yeah and then she just leaves and he's still there mm-hmm. and like yep, still there ah. Oh. It's just, it's just like, and that's what I'm saying. But that's kind of what I meant by like the whole he can't move on from it, but she has already, and so like being stuck in a place where you can't move on. Yeah. So there's like this. Um, a little bit after this, I don't know. We'll probably um, probably talk about it in more linear fashion. But I just want to say that this movie gets like very philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> and th- that uh, there's a point where time has moved forward and stuff and you know there's a bunch of these hipsters basically (laughs) there's this hipster party in the house now after she has moved and um and there's this guy just like this is like the most dialogue movie but (laughs) there's this like sort of hipster going to like this whole philosophical conversation with himself saying basically um does it really matter what you do in life? Cause like ultimately it's pointless and none of this is going to exist ever, but also like make your mark on the world as best as you can. Maybe. I don't know if he's that optimistic about it. He's not really, but <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. So it's also, bit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. talk about the scene, because that's a really big scene. I think that is yeah. uh, one of the two cruxes of this movie, that scene. I, yeah, I feel like with that movie, like mm-hmm. that was pretty much them doing the exposition of like what this movie kind of is about. Pretty much, yeah. I 
In, in a way. Yeah. In a way. That's uh, I said, kind of. Like, yeah. it, it's not the only thing, but it is definitely, like, a big plot point, I guess I should say. Yeah. But again, that's also how you perceive the film. It just depends on, on how you look at it. Um, um, a, a good discussion point, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before that happens, he he leans down to start trying to get to that little the hole in the crowning and, like, get through it. And it's five seconds later, mm-hmm. and a family starts rushing into the house, little kids running around. And in a five-minute span, mm-hmm. they've moved in all of a sudden, and they're having dinner, and he's just full of anger because not only has the person that he loves or seemingly has loved uh, gone and moved on with their life, but now there's this other family here in his home, this place that he loved so dearly, and they're making it their own home while in his, in, I imagine, in his, in his head anyway, he's still there existing yeah they can't see him but he's still there and so he Mm -hmm. gets extremely angry and does the most normal thing that a ghost that hasn't moved on from the afterlife does and straight up fucking haunts him he throws a fucking fit starts breaking all yeah that very much felt like a (laughs) like this is like this is not your house this is my house get out of my house like it felt kind of like that yeah yeah which is kind of interesting because from his point of view it's a very emotional human instinct but like from their point of view it's like poltergeist ah spooky so scary yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh that's why that's also like one of those very down-to-earth things that this movie does is like him like this is him like lashing out like putting all the energy he has like him trying to like be like what the fuck is going on like how do i i can't have any control over any of this it's all moving so fast and him is like lashing out and breaking everything and for them, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, our house is haunted. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, him being a poltergeist eventually makes them move out, and then it it uh, moves over to this party scene where I have a couple of fun things to say about it. Actually, before we move on to the very existential part of it, yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like this is like the the introduction. Not really the introduction. I feel like super introduction to the very existential part (laughs) yeah um the fun things about this scene is i don't know if you guys are well versed in kesha's music nope well the song in the background is a song from kesha and the director lowry really 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 wanted a kesha song in here like he just when he was imagining the movie the only thing he could imagine was kesha so they went ahead and got a hold of kesha and they're like hey like we would really like to use this specific song for this scene she's like yeah, totally. Um, I'll be there. Like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, so she was just I knew there it. I knew that was her. <laughs> I knew she looked familiar. I was like, is that Kesha? It looks like Kesha, but nah. So one of those be. girls is Kesha? <laughs> yeah, the blonde girl who like oh. was having the magic. Blonde girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that that's funny. Uh, yeah, she didn't charge them or anything for using it in the production. She She's just like, yeah, I just want to be in the movie. Just wants to be an extra in the film. So that's what she did. I like that. Huh. Just went down to Texas for that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where that house is that they found. It was all right. filmed in Texas. Yeah, uh, I did see that in the credits how they said, like, thanks to the city of Fort Worth and thanks to Dallas. Yeah. So, which means that those are the two cities that this was filmed in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Cash is just in this weird existential art film. <laughs> why not? <laughs> so weird. That's yeah, so weird because I was like, oh, my God. She looks so familiar. She looks like Kesha, but like it wouldn't be like that. Wouldn't be Kesha. <laughs> but it that is. would be the stupidest thing. Well, I think when people think of yeah. Kesha, they think of her like whenever she first started to blow up in the music industry. I think people forgot that she like gained a whole <laughs> bunch of weight. Well, 
I don't know. I think she looks fine here. It's just like. Well, no, this is like she midway through. Fine. Like, because uh, like I saw her whenever she was at her heaviest, quote unquote, because I saw like a news article and. No, no, I know, uh, I know what you're yeah, getting at, yeah. but like, I don't think it's that. I just think it's like, this is a very weird art house film. Like, why would this person who has who has been known for this party persona be in this movie? That's just very strange. Yeah. And the fact that she is is very funny. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. That is very funny, actually. It, it I is. feel like that, that's like right up there with... um, oh, What's the name of that movie? Um, The Big Lebowski. Because um, the song that they play for the credits of that movie, I, I think... Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the credits. Uh, they asked the artist if they could have that song in there. And he's like, sure. It's going to cost you $10,000, though. And then they're like, well, how about you watch the movie and we'll, uh, then you can let us know like whether, like whether you want your song in this movie or not. And while he's watching the movie, that scene, whenever he's in the taxi cab and he's like, can you please shut off the, the song? He's like, no, man, it's my radio. Come on, man. I hate the fucking Eagles, man. And then like throws him out of the ta- our taxi. He watched that scene, laughed and said, yeah, you can have my song for free because fuck the Eagles. <laughs> man, his hatred of the Eagles yeah. overpowered his love for money. <laughs> Apparently. That's funny. Like that, yeah, that made me laugh whenever I first heard that. Um, I, I'm trying to look up the dialogue for the scene here because I would honestly love to have a certain portion of it. Uh, I did not write any of it down, however, so I'm just trying to see if I can find it. I feel like this scene is really weird and sort of, it, it, it's like the most pretentious part of it, but I think it's supposed to, like, meant to be that way. It's supposed to, like, come off as super pretentious. Yeah. In my mind, anyway. <laughs> I feel like it was intentional. Okay. I found the part that I really like. So, yeah, the the, the speech in this scene, uh, it's extremely long. Uh, literally here's another dumb fun fact about it is that if you take all the rest of the dialogue in this entire film it's not as much dialogue that is in this one man's monologue that makes sense for this movie yeah that's how that's how little dialogue there is this movie though because this monologue is like feels very long but really it's it's not terribly long but it is very good and raises a lot of questions about what this movie is and uh will maybe put you in a mindset to be thinking about other things as well i think one of the things I, I want to read some of this verbatim according to the script here because it's uh, very good. So here it is. Um, money's just money. You got to take that out of the equation. Now what? It's not just... You have to find a reason. And I want to find out what happens too. So, so no money. What do you got left? You got other people. You got Claire. You got time. Time's a big one. But you've got about as much as anyone else, give or take. What about God? Maybe you've got God. Do you have God? No? Okay. Well, here's how I'll break it down. A writer writes a novel. A songwriter writes a song. A symphonist writes a symphony, which is maybe the best example because all the best ones were written for God. So, tell me, what happens if Beethoven's writing his ninth symphony and suddenly he wakes up one day and realizes that God doesn't exist? So, suddenly all these notes and chords and harmonies that were intended to you know supersede the flesh you realize oh that's just physics so beethoven says shoot god doesn't exist so i'm guess i'm writing this for other people it's just nuts and bolts now uh he didn't have any children i recall he had a, he had a nephew um 
a nephew, I get scraped, so he, he writes for him. Or beloved, yes, or, or whoever that was. But let's leave love out of this, and let's wrap this all up under the blanket of someone thinking, this is something, and they'll remember me for. And they did. And we do. And sure enough, we do what we can to endure. We build our legacy piece by piece, and maybe the whole world will remember you, or maybe just a couple of people, but you do what you can to make sure that you're still around after you're gone. And So we're still reading this book, we're still singing the song, and kids remember their parents, their grandparents, and everyone's got their family tree, and Beethoven's got his symphony, and we've got it too, and everyone will keep listening to it for foreseeable future, but... That's where things start breaking down, because your kids, do you have kids? Your kids? Yeah, all your kids? They're all going to die. Everyone's kids. Your kids, their kids. All of everyone's kids are going to die. Everyone. Um, and then he starts going into, into a whole thing about how everything is arguably meaningless because nothing actually matters. But in that same way, it only matters because it only matters as much as you want it to matter. Because everything is meaningless, so you have to make it matter. Yeah. And I think that's what he was trying to say, is like, in the grand scheme of things, none of this is really going to matter, but it matters to the people at the time, or it matters in this moment. And, like, uh, it's one of those, like, Beethoven, like, if society were to collapse tomorrow and 20 years down the line, somebody just, like, remembers a nice little part of the Ninth Symphony, then it will still matter to them within that moment, even if it didn't matter for 100 years beforehand. Yeah. And I, I just like that entire speech because it does in a way speak to what this movie is ultimately about of like Mm -hmm. C didn't move on because to him the only thing that mattered was this relationship this his wife this this exact moment in his life is what mattered so Mm -hmm. much to him and to so many other people to everybody else to maybe his neighbors to literally anybody it doesn't matter but it is the world to him and it is everything to him because he made it that he made it matter and he made it important. And well, yeah, I just, that's just like that life because it's so <laughs> true. <laughs> like people will use, yeah. like, like it says, like people will use God or people will use family or whatever, but like it all only matters as much as you make it matter because ultimately nothing actually does fucking matter. Yeah it's a it's a a thing that i think about a lot which is a lot of people feel because this is you know this is their their personal world basically everyone has like their own little personal world or corner of life or whatever but a lot of people tend to think that their their experiences and whatever are also just as important to everybody else as they are to them <laughs> right when it it's not very rarely i guess um it's not that significant to you know people outside of of that and it's like <laughs> i don't know it's a a pessimistic outlook but also realistic um and yeah, and and I don't think there's anything wrong with doing things in your own life to make your own existence worthwhile to you and like the people around you that you care about the most. 
basically. Yeah. You do you. Fuck everyone else. <laughs> and also don't let anybody else's self-importance get in the way of your own happiness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I went on my own philosophical <laughs> rant there. But no, you're, you're But totally this right. is a very it is a philosophical it is a philosophical um movie and I think it has a philosophical message. Basically, like I was saying, this whole speech, although pretentious a bit, it does it does um make sense and it it does make a good point even if his delivery is a little pretentious and yeah yeah he's basically a hipster preaching to all the other hipsters (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're right yeah yeah it it was like a little pretentious speech but it was very it did at the same time feel like him just screaming like yeah none of this matters none of you matter like nothing really matters kind of thing yeah just being nothing matters it's almost (laughs) felt like someone being a doomer like an edgelord a bit kind of like the same kind of guy who goes on yeah. about how we're all going to die someday and we're all and all of us are drinking microplastic in our water on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did have that sort of it had vibe. That, it had the same kind of vibe, but more philosophical. Yeah. Um, but from here on out, uh, time starts to move even faster and faster for C. Um, he blinks mm-hmm. and suddenly the house is destroyed and it looks very disheveled and Clearly, a bunch of time has passed. He goes down to try and uh, get the the note that was left there again, and boom, crashed through the wall. Uh, bulldozer, the one that we mentioned way earlier, yeah, in the episode that was actually breaking the house down. That was actually a uh, happening. It was the house. It was they were breaking it down. <laughs> <laughs> it was right there. Um, and the entire neighborhood is getting destroyed, and you get to see the ghost neighbor. Um, just standing there on the rubble, and then the sheet just fall to the ground. Well, it's not that the sheet falls to the ground. The neighbor just kind of says, oh, I guess they're not coming back, and then vanishes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was their unfinished business, is they were waiting for someone to come back, and when that person never came back, they were- They didn't know who. Yeah. They didn't know who, who, but they knew somebody, and when nobody came back, they're like, okay, well, I guess I'm done here. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I hate to say, that's actually a lot of- uh, I, I know I've been there before. Like you're waiting for something or you're waiting for somebody and like it either and it just like the day never really comes or the or it's like just not as good as you hoped it would be and you're just like, okay, so that happened, I guess. Well what do I do now? Yeah. Kind of, it had that same energy. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and C just kind of doesn't let it go. He doesn't feel like he's finished with anything yet. And Time keeps marching forward. There's a huge construction site there. And then suddenly a giant skyscraper that he's in. And then a finished skyscraper. And it's nothing that he had ever recognized before or anything that was recognizable to him from where he had lived before. And he's kind mm-hmm. of just had enough. So he goes to the top of the building and he jumps. Blinks, wakes mm-hmm. up, and it's to the very first occurrence of somebody on that land of claiming it as their own. And it's this old family... And uh seems like they're gonna build a cabin there or something. Yeah. And um with every blink, more and more time keeps passing. He sees this family start growing up, and then he sees them uh after they had been killed already by appearing to be Indians. Yeah, it because like you hear kind of like a Indian war cry in the 
distance and then like you just see the entire family dead on the ground with arrows in them yeah and then i think one of the most like disturbingly beautiful scenes in this entire movie is you see the little girl that you've seen a couple of times in this camp laying yeah. on the ground dead with an arrow and stuff um and he blinks and she's more de- uh not decapitated uh uh decomposed yeah decomposed and he blinks again and she's more decomposed and he blinks again and there's nothing there until a dust but nothing but dust yeah like all of us yeah I mean, one thing that because whenever <laughs> we were looking for that quote earlier of that guy whenever he's going on that huge speech mm-hmm. uh the one that i kept on or kept on popping up was uh a different quote which is whenever she was saying or his wife m earlier in the movie actually does say like I like to leave little pieces of myself uh, from every place that I move from. Yeah. In there. And like, which is why she left like that little note at or in the house before she left and hid it there. Uh, before that happens to the family, the little girl actually writes a note and then folds it up and hides underneath the rock. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Um, and he blinks again and suddenly it's the house again. Um, but it's a realtor showing them seemingly for the first time. And I gotta say, the realtor... Uh, just gave me real Sam energy out of it. Like, if Sam were a realtor, I am, yeah, I imagine that's the type of realtor you'd be. Because, like, why? He's like, they mentioned the piano, which has been mentioned before in the movie, of like, if they're going to take the piano with them when they move. Um, and mm-hmm. C is just like, hey, does the piano come with it? She's like, yeah, the piano. And he, like, starts playing it louder and louder. And he's like, well, I can't hear you. And he stops. And she's like, yeah, you can't hear me if you keep playing the piano. Anyway. <laughs> like, anyway, I just imagine that would be you as a realtor, Sam. Because yeah, well, yeah, because that was super annoying. <laughs> yeah, because she keeps on trying to you, say the house, asshole. <laughs> she keeps on trying to say the house has always been, or the piano has always been at the house that they wanted, they can have it. But he keeps on playing it louder and louder, and so she, he's every single time she tries to talk, he just keeps playing it louder and louder again. Yeah, it's great. That's great. That uh, just reminded me of Sam, if whatever business Sam gets into, that's. That's the kind of person she's going to be. She's going to run our PR, so whoever's listening to this, just get ready wow. to be told off. Just be honest. Can we well, keep the piano? I'm sorry that... Care. I care. I'm sorry that I have very little tolerance for annoying-ass people. <laughs> uh, Wasting my time. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so you see them starting to buy the house, and you get a really good glimpse at what their home life was before the beginning of the movie, which is mm-hmm. uh, they have a conversation of like, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Like, it's not supposed to be this way. We're supposed to work together as a team. We're supposed to be a team. And so like, you very much get the idea that things aren't great for them. Um, mm-hmm. And that reading up on it, this was all inspired um David Lowry was this was directly written because of his marriage. Um, I don't know if he had been divorced or anything like that. I didn't do any research into that. But from what his marriage was at the time, he his wife wanted to move uh to Los Angeles and uh or California or something like that, and he didn't. He just very much wanted to live in his little town in Texas still. Um and so this is like just direct conversations basically from his marriage. Which is a little uncomfortable, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you you get that uh, very clear picture of what is kind of happening in their life and how kind of distant they are, and then you get to see 
um, from the beginning of the movie, which we didn't mention this, but there was a bunch of like weird occurrences, like noises and yeah, things like falling. lights would flicker every now and then. One night they woke up because it sounded like someone just like slammed all the keys at the same time on their piano. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. you uh, get to learn at this point that uh, C, as a ghost, has completely wrapped around in time. He is he's back mm-hmm. to his own existence and watching himself and his wife just exist again and he's been the ghost the whole time causing these weird little occurrences um to the point to where he actually ends up seeing himself as a ghost watching all of this happening as well yeah just to show like this it's been a lot it's been a lot (laughs) the way that i almost saw because like the speech that guy has at that party kind of goes on to how um, you know, eventually all this will like go away to the point where like um, like the sun will turn to a a, a supernova and consume or consume the world and everything around it, and none of this is gonna matter anymore. And it's almost like that happened, like time collapsed around him, and uh, the Big Bang happened again, and like everything just restarted. But because he just couldn't let go of it, he just stayed in that spot uh, and watched time go into a circle, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um. But C waits until uh, M leaves the note again, and he immediately goes and digs it out of the wall, and he reads it, mm-hmm. and the sheet collapses, showing that he. And the movie ends. Yeah, the movie ends because <laughs> he—that's his ghost story. He has passed on. He has had his unfinished business. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, so we don't get to see what's on the note. Nobody this knows what's is. on the note. Um, except for Casey Affleck and Mara Rooney. The director hmm. directly said to her, write something very personal and very sincere from you to him. I don't want to see it. I don't want anybody else to see it. It's between you and him. Nobody else needs to know. And so the only people who have ever seen it are the two of them. Nobody knows what that says. Hmm. I mean, it kind of goes mm-hmm. with that, because once again, she says like she likes to leave little notes in there because it's a piece of her. So what he... But he still wanted after all that was just her, and he got that little piece of her again at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's a, a beautiful movie, honestly, I think. And, uh... At, it is. Every time I watch it, it <laughs> makes me think about it even more. I don't, this, I don't think this movie has really left my brain since the first time I saw it. Kind of lives in there rent-free, then? Yeah, whatever the kids are saying. That, that's what the kids are saying. <laughs> It's like what lives in your That's mind. That's what the kids free. are saying. <laughs> Weird. Now they're not saying it anymore. Now it's uncool because some old person has said it. Good. Well, let's say all the <laughs> hip things. Robbie, get on TikTok right now. Tell me all the cool things the kids are saying. Sheesh. <laughs> I think that one's a little old. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's still relevant, sadly life. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> it's a little old. That's what's happening. I'm making it die right here, right now. Good. Sheesh, let's do it. <laughs> oh, I hated myself for that. Yeah, I hated doing it the first time, but <laughs> you said, What are the kids doing on TikTok? It's the first thing that came to mind. There you go. Um so you know how I said that there was some um, behind the scenes stuff that wasn't so great that happened with the movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Well, it was disgusting stuff. Not from the director. I don't I don't want to even put that misconception out there. Uh the director was not aware of any of this happening at all. Um, but, uh, a producer of the film, Adam Donahue, was indicted by a Dallas County grand jury on one count of sexual assault of a child. Um, Jesus. 
the fuck? Uh, the victim was a young woman who had some sort of role in the set, either helping behind the scenes or she was an extra um, in one of the portions. She was 16 at the time that the assault happened, the sexual assault. Um, she had been raped and molested during the production of the film. And uh, Jesus. immediately when David Lowry found out about it, he said that he was sickened, angered, and saddened by it. And that he hopes that by the allegation, well, he was sickened by all of it, and that he hopes that the accuser finds justice in any way possible, and that he'll help in any way possible. Um, mm-hmm. Adam Don he was found guilty on October uh twenty uh, second, twenty twenty is when he was accused, and he's been found guilty of that, as far as I'm aware. So, um, so it took four <laughs> years, but that at least justice was served with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> was it that? Maybe, maybe I don't know. Hopefully, Do you think he, I mean the fact that he was he found prison, guilty and that or... he's in—I'm guessing he's in a Texas prison. I I don't know exactly what ended up being on the charges or anything like that. Um, that's what I was able to find on it. So right, yeah. So that's that's awful. Yeah, the company that that producer worked for has completely parted ways with him. Everybody he was involved in has parted ways with him entirely. So even if. He ends up not being charged. His career is over at the very, 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 very least. Shitty person. Well, hopefully, yeah. because as I say, because fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Awful human being. Uh, but yeah, that is that is a ghost story directed and written by David Lowry. So I would like to ask Robbie. <laughs> okay. Final thoughts on your score. What do you think? So final thoughts. Like I do agree with you guys. It is a beautiful film. I stick by my uh, original saying that it's long in the tooth. Uh, <laughs> I get why it's long in the tooth. And like, there are other movies that are similar to this that I do really love too, but it, it does linger, but it almost does it to a pretentious level. But all in all, it is a beautiful film. It is a existential mournful film that was, you know, I kind of said it as a joke, but apparently it is very true that the direct it was made for the director. Like he made did this movie for himself. Yeah, and I I honestly get that. Like, and I feel all in all, like it is very like I said, still long the tooth, but done very well. It is a hard movie to recommend people. I do agree with you on that. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> like you have to find somebody who's super into these kinds of films to be like, oh yeah, like I have a movie you would like. Other than that, it's just kind of. Like you said, a movie that you could like, but uh, not everybody else will see it in the same light. And I think this is you get what you take from it kind of movie. It, it is a very slow burn, but there is a point to it. Like I said, it does have like, a lot of philosophical and existential meanings to it. I'd give it a 7 out of 10. I, I, all in all, I did enjoy this film still. Okay, okay. Uh, Sam? So, yeah, I also think this is a really beautiful film. And... There is a lot of, like, yeah, there's a lot of lingering shots, so I, I like that it's lingering. And I think it was intentionally long in the tooth, and I do really like the cool, like, artistic lingering shots. Like I said, I would buy a print of some of those shots. Um, <laughs> but um, it is very existential, and although not a whole bunch happens, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot to discuss in it. Uh, there's a lot of talking points, I guess. Um, again, like how basically ultimately everything is sort of pointless. 
<laughs> which is it sounds very like depressing and existential because it is but there's also like this I don't know this um um I guess glitter or glimmer of something hopeful there in the end even though um everyone turns to dust <laughs> I'm getting real depressing here, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a beautiful film. Um, this is... There's like two... Two A24 films that are very hard to re- recommend to people. This and Lamb. But I feel like this is more recommendable... Recommendable... <laughs> to people. <laughs> Because, yeah, I, I feel like it's more recommendable. And I uh, recommend it to, like, your hipster friend or whatever. <laughs> anyway. What would you rate My it, whole Sam? fucking... My whole review is going on as long as this movie. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Which means there's going to be a lot of shots um, just lingering, listening to her go. <sighs> Um, um, well, um, well, uh, cut this out, please. (laughs) Sorry. Um, yeah, I guess I would rate it a, um, oh, it's so hard. 8.5? Okay. 8.5. Maybe the first time around watching it, I would, I would rate it like a seven, but I feel like I enjoyed it more the second time. Okay. Um, yeah. For me, um, I think that the most wonderful thing about it is that uh, you're not wrong, Sam. The movie makes a point to tell you everything is pointless and everything is meaningless. And it's only as meaningful as you allow it to be. But I don't think that that's a depressing thing. I actually think it's a very happy thing because you now have, if you take that idea and you run with it, you now have all the power to make everything matter as much as you want it to matter. And you can make Mm -hmm. your life be amazing and wonderful and have this amazing meaning and purpose to it from whatever you want it to be, because it doesn't matter ultimately. Because in 300 years, Mm -hmm. nobody's going to know your name more than likely. Like, it's... Do what you want with your life to make yourself happy and to make yourself feel fulfilled as long as you're not hurting anybody then that's all I think anybody should want out of life is to just be fulfilled and happy and I think by (laughs) that meaning of everything being pointless means it's all if everything's meaningless then it's equally meaningful exactly yes thank you Robbie yeah (laughs) good way to put it but yeah I honestly Really, really love this movie. I give it a 10. I think that there's nothing more that you could do that would make this movie any better than it is. And there's a lot of ways that you could make it worse. Like Sam said, uh, another A24 production, Lamb. It has a lot of long, lingering shots. But I feel like those long, lingering shots are like, ooh, that's very pretty. But it's ultimately meaningless. And I feel like every single shot in this holds meaning just because of the core value of what this movie is. Um, mm-hmm. it it makes the simplest things work. It has that weird, um, 
old picture look to it, that weird old vignetted kind of picture. And it all just adds to the entire thing and it makes it just feel, like I said, intimate. It almost feels like every single scene you're looking at some old picture that you found in the warehouse or something from your ancestors or whatever. And it just all feels, yeah. even though it isn't about you or anybody you know and it's all completely fiction, it feels so extremely personal in a way that I think so few films are able to achieve. So it yeah. does give it a lot of character. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a 10 from me easily. Okay. Um, and with that, uh, I'm going to say, okay, that's, that's a ghost story. So yeah. Yeah. If you like little weird slow burn art house films, this is definitely one for you. Yeah, for sure. And not that one weird ghost story movie that I showed you. <laughs> That's the which one movie store? It's called a ghost story or something. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, no. But it was like a, some sort of '80s horror or something like that. I don't really. Yeah, know. Yeah, no, not that one. Not that one. Uh, <laughs> 2017, a ghost story by David Lowry. That's the one you want. Um, but yeah. If anybody wants to get a hold of us, you can do that at. The last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that email is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Or if you would like to get to our social medias and other places where you can listen to this podcast, you can do so on our link tree, L I N K T R dot E E forward slash L O I P. All of our socials are there, all three of them. It's only we have a huge thing. Uh, and a couple of other places where you can listen to us. But you know what? Uh, you can listen to us wherever podcasts are. We're there. We're all the places. Um, send us your uh, send us your chocolate vegan pie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that. Send us your chocolate vegan pie. Uh, Robbie. Yeah. Get us out of here. So, if you're out and about, make sure to be safe. Make sure to stay six feet apart. Wash your hands for at least 20 seconds. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated if you can. But if not, make sure to stay home, stay alone, stay alive. And whether this is the very first time you've listened to us or you've been listening since the very beginning, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Thank you, Robbie. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sam. Yep. Thank you, everybody out there. Uh, hopefully you are having a great hol- holiday months. Uh, it's, it's Christmas all month long. Um. We'll be taking a small break after this. I think we're going to be taking a week off, so there's not going to be a show next week um, because we're going to be recording all of our end-of-the-year content. Yeah. So we're going to have to take that time that we would normally spend an entire day recording an episode just sitting here and talking about a bunch of things and how much we like them and didn't like them. Um, And then, of course, we will be having a Christmas special. Uh, if If you've been listening to our Christmas specials, you should know exactly what to expect from that one. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be taking some time out to record that at some point. Uh, but yeah, we're going to take a little break. All of our end of the year stuff is going to come out. And then we're going to take another break after that just to recoup and um, get our get our uh, rabbits in a row, our ducks in a pond, our geese in a pillow. Sure. <laughs> I don't know what the saying is, and I lost it. Our ducks in a row? That's the one. Um, and just to get- Our rabbits in a pond. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, our babies in the dryer. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> our our notes in the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, so uh, the show, we, we're going to figure out what it's going to look like next year because uh, we don't have uh, a schedule or anything or like how what the format's going to look like or anything like that, if it's going to change at all. So, um, yeah, we're going to be taking a break to figure all of that out and discuss some things and figure some stuff out. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I guess the next time you'll be hearing our voices will be uh, during all of the end of your content. So we will talk to you guys then. Have a great one. Bye. Bye. Bye.